Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Hello, Shepherds. We're back. It's time again for the Mass Effect Lorecast. Maybe I'll just say hello, Shepherds, from now on. Um, <laughs> this is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with my co-host, Sam or N7 Legend. I'm sorry we had to take last week off, but you know, we had to celebrate America and hurricanes. So that was the thing. Sam, how you doing? I'm great. And yeah, I found it kind of ironic that we were taking last week off celebrating, you know, the US that both Tom and I live in. Uh even though Shepard and Anderson and pretty much everyone is Canadian <laughs> in Mass Effect. Yeah, so, they didn't get the day off. No, <laughs> they, the didn't. they never get the day off. They, well, yeah, Canadians um, don't ever get the day off. That's just how it goes in Canada. And if you're listening to this, as opposed to viewing it, uh, you won't pick this up. But now that we've switched to Zoom instead of uh, Discord, uh-huh. the N7 is actually the right way. Yeah. And your mouth coincides with your your audio. That's a huge upgrade. And I don't think that it doesn't seem like we have a delay right now. Not so a big delay. I'm enjoying that as well. Yeah. Maybe this will just make everything better. Um, yeah. So yeah, yes. switch, switched over to Zoom. Uh, we're trying this out. See if that fixes some problems. Uh, plus, it allows us to broadcast on the stage on Discord if you want to just listen to the audio. And of course, we are live. It is 1030 p.m. Eastern on YouTube uh, TV slash robots radio that's the address and we're we're currently live on sunday night and we are here to talk about some more mass effect and a race that is worth discussing very slowly very slowly very slowly Um, (laughs) this week we are talking about a species pretty <laughs> unique to the series. I'm not going to do the whole thing. That <laughs> I'm not going to, um, that's, Very I'm not, that's a, unique. that's a bit, that's not like a method acting technique. The um, series. So the... we, we're discussing the slow moving pachyderms of the mass effect uh, universe. Mm-hmm. And they are a race that kind of reminds me of Eeyore, you know, and then that race of course is the Elcor. Yeah. Wait, wait, didn't, didn't we nix the whole idea that I brought up? Okay. So, I'm going to take credit for this one. Mass Effect is Winnie the Pooh in space. And each of the races are different characters from Winnie the Pooh. I came up with this one, right? Right. I think we, I think you did. And then you looked at me like in those terms, you looked at me like, no, 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 we're not going there. And then we just like nixed the idea. I think, I think you did bring it up with, with, uh, the Solarians being Tigger. Right. And then the Elcor are Eeyore. Eeyore, Of course. Right. right. Yes. So, so and Pooh is, is clearly Shepherd. So, who? What is the name of the rabbit from Winnie the Pooh, and and who is the rabbit? Okay, in, so in Mass Effect, Rabbit is named Rabbit. That's just his name, and he's like super anal about everything. 
Yes. So maybe the Turians. Okay. So Rabbit's a Turian, and then Kanga and Rue. Kanga's super caring, and Rue's like the cute little guy. I don't, I don't know. This is going to be tricky. I don't know. Maybe Rue's little. He's got that going for him. We're gonna have to think on this some more. I'm sure people are just like, yeah. get on with the show. Talk about Elcor. Don't talk about Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. So yeah, why this, don't we do that? <laughs> so the Winnie the Pooh has a very little, um, very little significance to this episode. Uh, so we can leave that there. But as I've been doing with the race uh, episodes, I think that there is a mantra which embodies the Elcor, and that is slow and steady wins the race. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no way I wasn't going to use that idiom, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so as per usual, let's start off with their biology. First of all, they're absolutely massive. They look like they must weigh like at least a ton each and they support that weight on four legs. So unlike the, uh, most of the other sapient races in mass effect, they are quadru quadrupedal and their front legs though, it kind of looks like they walk on their fists. Uh-huh. So yeah, kind of gorilla-like, sort of. Yes, that, yeah. is, that is exactly what I was going to say. V very much uh, like silverback ape, kind of. Yeah. And uh, generally, they have greenish-gray skin, just varying shades of gray. So that is kind of why I said that they are pachyderm-like. They, they kind of are elephant-like, you know? And so uh, they have two front-facing eyes, however, which is interesting, especially considering that they are herbivores. Uh, usually, you know, front facing eyes is a predator trait. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine of all the species in mass effect, the least of which appears to be predatorial are the Elcor. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I can't imagine them chasing down anything. No, no. They're kind <laughs> of the definition of docile, you know, uh, or at least that's how they come across and their mouths appear as a series of vertical slits and they almost look like gills and interestingly you know i just i just finished mass effect 2 in my playthrough uh the other day and i just noticed this for the first time i don't know how many playthroughs i've had where i have not noticed the small detail but there's a elcor merchant on omega in mass effect 2 his name's Herod, and i just noticed that he has a cigar in his gills like in his little mouth slits that's and awesome. so he's like, you know, like, a like, eh, what can I get you? That kind of merchant. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, uh, I don't remember this. Maybe I didn't notice it either. It's easy to miss. I think, um, yeah. I, I think I did a photo in photo mode and that's where I found it. Um, so <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty funny there that the gills are apparently, maybe that means they're opposable so that they can like hold things mm -hmm. with their like little mouth gills. Well, they've got to um, be able to get food in there somehow. Right. Yeah, definitely. And they have like a slightly larger gill on the back, which is like a big flap. Uh, and that's <laughs> <Yes>. slightly, <laughs> I can't think of any better way to describe it really. Um, that's really how they talk. And there's some interesting trivia bit behind that, uh, which I found out when I was researching for this episode and they were, here's a horrifying detail, by the way, attached to this trivia bit. Okay. The Elcor were originally supposed to have a human like mouth. <laughs> like the Asari, uh -huh. um, which I think in, in practice would have looked terrifying, but in the game, they went with the slits thing because it was just an easier animation to move. <laughs> okay. So they can right. use the same small animation looping over and over again. It was barely noticeable when the Elcor were talking. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Also just Elcor with human mouth, 
the mental image I'm getting is, is uh, it's going to keep me up tonight. Yeah. I kind of just um, want them to have like a little trunk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would look totally natural. You know, they're, they're massive creatures. They're at least two times the size of, uh, of human. No, at least two times the height of humans. And certainly, you know, like I said, they probably weigh over a ton. Their lifespan is an interesting topic because there's no definitive answer, but we can take that at least they live to around 400 years old. The source and how we know this comes from Mass Effect Andromeda Annihilation, the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an Elcord doctor whose name is Naum. He's also known as a name that he picks for himself, which is Yorick. There's a, there's a deliberate uh, Shakespeare reference there mm-hmm. that we'll get to later. Um, and I found this pretty hilarious. He's an Elcor ear, nose, and throat specialist. That's amazing. I mean, I suppose you have to have one, right? Like, they sound like they would get some clogged sinuses because <laughs> their voice is always monotonous like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have multiple slits on the front of their face that go this way, so the drainage probably go is pretty comes out pretty easy. I would yeah. assume. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> an about Elcor with, a, with a cold. Can you imagine sneezing and all the gills flapping and just like blah, 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 blah. And they're just like blah, <laughs> just like oh my god. I'm imagining Zoidberg. Yes. Why not Elcor? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and then they slowly. Be yeah. slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, like they're, they have some distinguishing characteristics. Like we've already mentioned, their voice, their monotonous voice is really what sets them apart. Um, and they actually won the best new species of the year in Xbox magazine when Mass Effect 1 came out. Uh, and so the, the, by the way, the, the Elcor have been around since mass effect one, but you might easily gloss over them because they're not all over the place. Um, but, but we'll get, we'll get to why they're a little bit more of the rarer species later when we talk about the sociological, uh, factors of their race, but mm-hmm. the Batarians who we already did an episode on are somewhat threatening from their deep tone of voice. Right. Um, and the Elcor though they, they just come across as ambling and apathetic and, you know, almost melancholic. Yeah. Yeah. They've got the, yes, very much so uh, to the point where you almost just want to ignore them. Like it's, I would bad. imagine that a lot of, a lot of races underestimate them. Certainly. I mean, you know, they share an embassy with the Volus. Right. And they've been around since the fourth century BCE. That's when they found the, the, when that's when the Asari discovered them. Um, and they, you know, that, so the other thing that the Elcor do is that they preface everything they say with the emotion they're currently feeling. For example, tired, I'm ready to sleep now. That's, you know, that's the example that we're talking about. Right. Um, so maybe not the best race to form a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> so wait 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 so all of their lyrics would be like <laughs> i'm trying to think of a classic rock song <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> all right go with De- me here desperate it's hey, so desperate <laughs> horny i want to rock you all night long <laughs> like, <laughs> how about um oh desperate i found a reason to be <laughs> right, right right yeah um sad everybody hurts 
<laughs> um, that's that's a never-ending series of jokes, and I think the developers are very well aware because there are some in jokes too, and mm. the monotonous voice uh, appears as a joke throughout the series. So we hear of an all Elcor production of Hamlet which frankly sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> it's it's canonically 14 hours long. Oh, that's great. Great. Okay. So <laughs> so they do this for everyone or just alien races? Um because Elcor probably can read cues and don't need the verbal hint. Right. Yeah, so that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up. Um <laughs> the Elcor don't really need to convey their mood explicitly with other Elcor. So they do this uh-huh. for the benefit of everyone else right they communicate with other elcor primarily through very subtle body language and when i say subtle you know how subtle are we talking well according to the codex in comparison a human smile is like a fireworks display mm-hmm. so that's how subtle we're talking about and it's so subtle of course that other races can't pick up on it well the other they also communicate through pheromones and thus they have developed extremely sensitive olfactories so they can smell subtle differences in the air from even like miles away. Uh, but obviously, like I said, other races cannot detect these nonverbal cues. Um, so they adjusted. And after a while, this has got to be exhausting. I mean, can you imagine that? Like you're altering your entire format of conversation for the benefit of everyone else, except for your species, just so you can communicate. Whereas your species is mostly nonverbal communication. Right. Well, you know, I guess, I mean, this might have similar qualities. I mean, obviously not the whole nonverbal thing, but, you know, you travel internationally and you have to consider, you know, not only what language am I speaking, but what are the customs? What do uh, certain hand gestures even mean? You know, like, so we can identify with some of that, but not to this extreme, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and that's a really great example too, because I think for anyone that's traveled internationally or at least been in communities where English is not the predominant language, if, or whatever your native tongue is, isn't the predominant language for us, that's English. It does get exhausting trying to communicate with someone where you have a, either a basic understanding of their language or none. And so it does get very exhausting. And after a while you do want to gravitate toward your own community, uh, where you can just, you know, relax and not have to jump through extra hoops mm-hmm. in order to communicate basic concepts. So considering that the Elcor act pretty much within their own comfort zone almost all the time, maybe this is why we don't see many of them throughout the galaxy. You know, they just don't leave their home world or their colonies. Um, and speaking of their home world, you know, that's something that I was planning to discuss after our midbreak, which seems like a pretty full midbreak this time. Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot. Um, one thing before we, we go to that, uh, I can imagine that as from a design perspective, saying that their body language is extremely subtle is a really good way not to have to program in any of it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Which, that is that is a fourth wall thing uh, for sure. It's it's yeah, that's like a lazy animator thing, I think. Right, right. Like if if the if it was the opposite and it was very, you know, if, if they had a race that was like all body language, then you'd have all sorts of like 
Can you imagine these guys like gesticulating around? I mean, they've got these really big forearms. Can you imagine them like standing up and going like, like, like breaking the walls because they're trying to talk to their, you know, friendly neighbor Elcor next to them? <laughs> well, maybe we should be happy that there are no Italian Elcor right. uh, because yes, Italians famously speak with their hands and do a lot of hand gestures. Um, so, yeah. uh, and Elcor are so massive that that would be quite destructive. Um, that's probably a good thing for us. Probably so. All right. Well, you know what? We've got a bunch of stuff to do in the mid section of the show. Wow. So why don't we go ahead and move on with that? Sure. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign and this station is mine. All I right. like the sound of that. Crap. I jumped on top of him again. I'm sorry, Rex. I do that on occasion. I get super excited about talking about our patrons. And then I and then man, he's going to smash me one of these days. So thank you, everybody who helps support the show. You guys, you guys are nuts. Look at this. We've got like 28 patrons right now. Holy crap. Um, I'm sure you've been looking in at this. We have. Oh, my God. So sovereign. Thank you. Our tier five patrons. Anybody who's tier five or, or, or over gets a thank you every single show at the beginning of the month. We'll thank our new patrons and those of you who sign up this month. And um, we have. Oh, man. Our conversation with our patrons two weeks ago was great. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten potential tier four plus tier five sovereign uh, guests for our next patron chat. And that's going to be amazing. So thank you, everybody, for signing up and helping us out. Also, everyone else at all the other tiers as well. And if you're interested in checking out our Patreon in order to see what kinds of things you can get, like ad free episodes, uh, extended episodes of the show, where if we have conversations that go on before or after the episode, those will be included and all sorts of other stuff. Go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast to see what's going on with that. And thanks again to all of our patrons. We have so much to talk about on this mid break. Where do you want to go first? Should we talk about the giveaway? Let's talk about the giveaway. Yeah, let's do that because we've been, I think we've been forgetting to remind yeah. people about yes. that. Yeah, we've done a horrible job of this. We want to give you a $50 gift card to whatever platform you prefer, whether that's like Steam or Xbox or PlayStation. And we've had a few people enter, but we really need some more entries. And it's so easy to enter. All you have to do is load up your Mass Effect save, or not even save, just load up Mass Effect, any of them, and make us, make me, and make Sam. And if you don't know what we look like, just check out the Robots Radio YouTube channel. Check out the Twitch channel. You can see the videos on there. You can see uh, pictures of us probably on our Twitter accounts. If, even if you don't know what we want, what we look like, and you just need me to send you a screenshot, just let me know. But log into your Mass Effect game and make a Tom and a Sam and send those to us however you can. It can be on our Discord. It can be on our Twitter account. Uh, at Mass Effect Cast is our Twitter account. However you want to get them to us, and we are going to pick our two favorites. Not necessarily the two that look most like us, our two favorites. And those two favorites, we're going to have to pick one winner. We're going to have to agree, like, okay, this person did the best job at both of us. And that person is going to win a $50 gift card. So it's a really easy way to win 50 bucks. There haven't been that many entries. Holy crap, guys, you get need to get on this because there hasn't been that much competition. And next weekend we will be choosing a winner and giving away our prize. So that's it. That's it's that easy. So just make us in the games, take a screenshot, take a picture with your phone, post them. That's it. Super easy. Just tag us. So 
Anything else I need to say about that? No, I think that pretty much covered all the bases and I'm just super pumped to see all of the other, you know, uh, Tom and then seven legend shepherds. Yes. Um, yes. you know, uh, my ego is prepared to take a hit as it was, uh, and it still is. <laughs> and as weird of a request as it may be, I, I suppose I will honor anyone that's designing an in seven legend shepherd by saying like, Hey, can you send me a selfie? Yeah, I, I'll do that. Um, I, I promise not to be weirded out by it because now I know the reason. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah, do, do that. Get on it. Win something. We want to give you guys uh, a prize. And if you haven't been able to pick a legend up legendary edition, that $50 is going to go a long way because you should be able to get it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we find it on sale for 50 bucks or less, you know, anytime soon. So there you go. All right. What else do we have to talk about? So I'd like to introduce a new section. Traditionally, we've been doing these uh, show us your shepherds, but I'd like to introduce a new segment that we focus on some of the easily missed interesting lore bits from the, some of the side planets in the mass effect universe. And I'm not talking about the ones that you can go visit. Um, very rarely on occasion, I will feature those, but I'm talking primarily about the planet cards where you enter the orbit of the planet and it just gives you an ex and, uh, basically a codex and entry of the planet. And mm -hmm. some of those planets have really critical pieces of lore from them, which if you're not a completionist like me, you may have easily missed. And I'm going to try to make every episode's planet relate to the topic that we're discussing. Uh, and I think I've found a good one to start this all off. It's called Ikuna, and it's one of the Elcor's colonies. And so this is located in the Phoenix massing nebula, and that's in the Salahiel system. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I'll just go ahead and read for our listeners, the description of it. Uh, the description of this planet, Ikuna says, first discovered by the Koreans at the turn of the century, Ikuna is a habitable, but second tier choice for most species circling an orange sun. Ikuna averages below freezing temperatures. This led development firms to colonize at the planet's equator where the climate is tolerable for agriculture. The Koreans seeking a home world of their own petitioned the Citadel council for the right to take over Ikuna, but they had already settled a few hundred thousand Koreans on the planet before approaching the council. Seeing this occupation, as an illegal act, the council turned a deaf ear to the Corian pleas and gave the world to the Elcor, who could withstand the high gravity of the world far better. The Corians squatting on the planet were given one galactic standard month to leave, at which point their colonies would be bombarded. The junk left behind by the fleeing Corians clogs up portions of the landscape to this day. Non-Elcor visitors to Ikuna are advised to use personal or vehicular mass effect fields to lighten the pressure as the surface gravity will otherwise cause health and mechanical problems. Health and mechanical. Holy crap. Right. So that's a lot to take in because, of course, you know, they're talking about why the planet is fit for the Elcor. But there's also some geopolitical implications there with the Corians being threatened, downright threatened by the council to leave. Otherwise, their colonies would be bombarded. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty strong hand to play. That's harsh. Yeah. Right. Because the Corians were looking for a new homeworld. That's why they, they went there. And the council responded by, well, you know, because you came to us after having already settled some people there, I suppose the just uh, course of action is to threaten orbital bombardment. 
what the fuck? <laughs> like, seriously. Like if I was a Corian, I'd be like, are you kidding? This is reasonable. And then, yeah. you know, they just give the planet to the Alcor. So, hmm. you know, as with all politics, there might be more going on than just what the surface appears, you know? Yeah. My thought was that the council harbored some lingering resentment for the creation of AI that the Corians had just done. Mm-hmm. They did yeah. flagrantly break international law right. or galactic law. Yeah, they were already on the, the shit list. So, yes, they were. We're going to, yeah, like you guys just do, go ahead and just do this on your own. No, no, we're, of course, we're not going to let you do that. You didn't ask first. You know, like slap your hand one more time. Yeah. Yeah. But that pretty much encompasses what I'm, what I'm envisioning for this segment for the future episodes, where we just pick a planet that's perfectly, uh, you know, relevant to the topic we're discussing. And maybe sometimes it'll be a stretch, but the point is that these side planets, they have such critical lore bits that are so easy to gloss over. And I want to make sure that all of our listeners are kind of getting their, uh, their time's worth or their money's worth if they're one of our supporters. And I think this is uh, a good way to make sure that everyone's, uh, keeping up to date. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's also a really cool way to think about these like really small topics because a planet like this isn't going to get its own episode. There's not enough to discuss there, but it may come up in relation to a topic and to be able to bring these up along the way makes a lot of sense because one of the things that really occurs to me when we talk about these planets is that the developers had to spend time designing the lore around it. So they had to think like, okay, how does this play into the history? When did this occur? What races did it affect? You know, all of these details, which helps to flesh out the bigger picture of the story in general. So picking up these little things over time will add up to a more well-rounded understanding of everything. So I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah, it makes the galaxy more immersive. It makes it feel real. These small details that other games just frankly don't have. Maybe it's because the writers aren't as in control as some of the other design elements. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I think this is clearly a writer's choice. There was some writer somewhere in the development process that pushed and said, these side planets, we need to write something for them. Like they Mm -hmm. need, there needs to be copy here that we write. Yeah. This isn't just blue planet number seven. Yeah. No, it like, we need something going on here. Yeah. Totally. Just like if you were in like a fantasy game and you're like, okay, what's this village? What's this city? What's the history here? Who are they related to? What kingdom are they part of? Like all of that stuff. Absolutely. Um, So that's really cool. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I'm looking forward to some more of these things because um, I know that they'll help my understanding of things as well. So very cool stuff. Um, Before we go back to the main topic of the show, I had one other idea. If you guys, um, and this is something I'm going to be asking everybody who listens to these shows, we... Like I mentioned before, we stream this live. There are actually 23 of you from my format, what I can see uh, on, in our Twitch channel right now, listening along and chatting. Um, so much of the reason why we do this stuff, and I'll be honest, I, I make a living doing this now, doing all of these different lore cast shows. So clearly I, I need to make a living and continue doing this. So there's a financial gain associated with that as well. But the main reason why I started doing podcasting in general at all was to build communities and to have people like Sam to geek out on this stuff with and you guys. And um, we get a, a bunch of people who listen to this podcast on their podcatchers at work, you know, wherever they are. 
but the number of people we get showing up live is significantly smaller. And I would love for our live show numbers to grow and for you guys to be joining us and chatting along with us. And you'll notice when we call people out in chat and we're like, oh, so-and-so says this in chat. I would love for more of that interaction. That's really, that, that makes this so much more fun for us. So from like a very selfish standpoint, in fact, we make less money from that because you guys aren't listening on the actual podcatcher. So you're not getting advertisements and stuff, but I don't care. I, I want, I want you guys showing up in chat. I want to, I want to hear your thoughts and see it live. So if we could, if we could hit like 30 consecutive viewers on average, that would be amazing. I would love to just have you guys in here all the time. So if you can make this a thing and you can join us on Sunday nights at 1030 Eastern, the 730 Pacific, then holy crap, I would love, I would love that. That would just, that would make my, my week, you know, if we just hit 30 consecutive viewers and got to know some of you guys better too, and, and saw your thoughts on this stuff, because that's, what's important to me is the community. So just wanted to throw that out there. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Guardians, we are the Destiny Show Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things Destiny 2. We invite amazing guests from the Destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of Destiny. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you starside. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, so let's talk more about the Elcor and um, how they came to be known in the current state throughout the Milky Way. Right, and yeah, we kind of hinted at it before that they're just kind of rare. You don't run into them a lot. Uh, and that's not because there's not a lot of them. There are, but they primarily keep to their home world and their colonies. And so uh, let's just briefly say that they were first discovered by the Asari in the fourth century BCE. And this was just as the Elcor were making their first strides into space travel. Uh, and that's according to one of the Elcor ambassadors on the Citadel. And a little over a hundred years later, after they were discovered by the Asari, who then kind of slightly uplifted them. They, they gave them a, a cordial entrance into the galactic society. We'll say that um, they were granted an embassy and they share that embassy with the Volus. Now that is a point of contention with the Volus, but it doesn't seem to bother the Elcor that much. So they've been around council space for more than 2000 years. And yet we don't really see much of them. That raises the question why so to answer that though we have to step back a bit and look at where they came from which is their home world their home world name is dakuna um matata one <laughs> dakuna matata <laughs> <laughs> 
we we might need to name the episode that uh, you know it's funny is I, I make the episode names very specifically exactly what we talked about um because so many podcasts will do make like joke names and then you have no idea what the episode is actually about just glancing at it uh maybe i'll put it at the end of the title anyway yeah and like a parenthetical <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so Dakuna, as some may have picked up um because of the elcor's size because of their walking on fists uh it's an immensely high gravity world in fact it's it's got gravity four times that of earth so a mistake as simple as this like you know falling from standing up could be lethal <laughs> oh my god you could die yeah this is where goku goes to train <laughs> Oh yeah, man! I gotta rewatch. <laughs> I gotta rewatch a, that series. Man, that's a callback. That's like a, holy crap! <laughs> I remember that episode when he takes off the the was it a lead vest or lead suit, and, yeah. and he's just like so fast during the tournament. Yeah, right, right. Great, he's like, great oh, reference, it's so hard to move. It's so hard, and then all of a sudden he's like, because he takes yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so they're they're huge creatures, and they yeah. walk on all fours very muscular limbs and they're they're very slow you know well, uh, because of that here's a question um and uh combat vet in chat says so gravity has no correlation with height um that's an interesting question and i don't know the answer to that because i would have assumed that on a higher gravity planet that the life forms would be shorter they'd be like lower the lower to the ground like the volus um and I mean, obviously we don't have any examples of that because we don't have any other objects in space, but I know that scientists have probably thought about this. And one of the things that happens in, for example, um, the series, the expanse is that people who are born and grow up in zero gravity are taller because their, their skeletal systems stretch out um, and their bodies extend. So you would assume that people who grow up on a high gravity system would be shorter, but maybe that's because we're all humans and we're comparing ourselves to other humans rather than a race that evolved in that setting. So in this case, in a, a race that evolves in a high gravity setting may have denser bones and denser body, like, you know, muscles and, and things like that, that allow them to be taller because there might be some other evolutionary advantage to being taller, even in a high gravity situation. So I don't know. That's a, that's a really interesting perspective on that. Um, that, that is an interesting question. And I, I think there might be one additional, uh, explanation for that, which I'm going to get to later because it's kind of a sequitur. Mm -hmm. So I will mention, I will go back to that comment when I get there. Um, but it is an immensely high gravity world. And so the Elcor have evolved to be slow and deliberate because if you're not, if you're fast and loose about things, you're probably going to die. Yeah. Of evolutionarily that anybody who was beyond a certain like movement speed was more likely to trip and fall. And so therefore didn't pass on their genes. So it totally makes sense. Right. And of course, biology is determined by the world of origin. Um, but some of the Mass Effect universe's anthropologists believe that much of the Elcor's conservative personality and affinity for subtleties was also derived from Dakuna's environment. And Dakuna is, is, you know, just so wealthy in natural resources. This is part of Dakuna's planet card. If you go to visit their orbit, mm -hmm. that the Elcor don't need to import anything for their economy to be successful, like at all. They just export finished products and they import finished products as well, but they don't 
it's so self-sufficient that an embargo would be completely useless on their economy. I wonder so, if, okay, so this raises another question. You mentioned earlier that their their eyes are forward facing, which is a trait of predators. But on their planet, with gravity as strong as it is, there probably isn't much in the way of things flying around in the air. And most predators use stealth and speed when being predators. So maybe the environment naturally doesn't have any fast or flying or or stealthy predators because they can't move fast enough. So therefore, they didn't need eyes on the sides of their heads to look out for predators. And in the situation they're in with being careful, having binocular vision, which sees depth perception, was more beneficial to them keeping from falling down. Boom. There Science. you go. So maybe that's why they have forward facing eyes is because that was more beneficial to their survival than looking out for predators. That's I, I love that take. I did not find that when, you know, I don't know if that's canon or not. I'm sure that there's a writer, you know, out there somewhere that we could ask about, you know, Mass Effect and maybe they'd have uh, their own opinion. Yeah. On it. I mean, I just um, pulled that right out of my butt. It was nice and warm. It came right out and there you go. So maybe it I don't know. sounds legit. So I'll put it that way. It sounds legit. Um, <laughs> the self-sufficiency of Dakuna also might explain why there's so many Elcor that feel no rush for hasty societal development. Or another explanation, maybe the slow development is a byproduct of the fact that most Elcor, like I already mentioned, don't like leaving their colonies or homeworld. Because space travel, when you're that size and when you're that used to and you've developed a need for high gravity, space travel has to be incredibly uncomfortable. And space yeah. life has to be uncomfortable, right? Right. Um, because you're still living in a very low gravity world. Like the Elcor who are on the Presidium, on the Citadel, the Presidium has a standard gravity of like 1.03 Earth gravity. So that's still way too light for the Elcor's comfort. Mm -hmm. I wonder how they mitigate that. Um, now, finally, the detail that I was going to mention, which kind of goes back to combat vet gaming's question about does gravity have no correlation with height then actually i think that the reason why the elcor are so tall even while standing on all four legs might have something to do with the high gravity since the gravity is so high there are no mountains on dakuna at all so that also means that most of the land is flat land maybe hmm. some gently rolling hills and if all of the land is flat land with some gently rolling hills, it then becomes an evolutionary advantage to have a have an aerial point of view, have a higher point of view, so that to you can look further. down. Yeah, you can look down and see what's approaching where it's very low. Right. If 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 all of it is grassland, which the Elcor evolved in, and there's very tall grass, you need to be taller than the grass to see what's coming up and approaching you. Right. And so maybe yeah. that's part of the reason why they're so tall. Um, hmm. Like I said, you know, they've evolved in lush grasslands and they also historically roamed these grasslands as migratory tribal communities. So we see evidence of this in Dakuna having two capital cities. There's two. There's one for the wet season and one for the dry season. <laughs> and I found that to be a pretty funny detail that they still have twin capitals. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I can't think of a, I'm sure someone's going to correct me. I can't think of a historic 
uh, precedent for that. Like there are definitely places that have changed their capitals or changed their capitals very quickly, you know, like within like the lifetime or, you know, very short period of time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. The other reason could be because as we've already mentioned, they, um, they don't like, you know, these really cramped spaces, which is one of the reasons they don't like space travel. They, they, the Elcor evolved as an open sky race. They would love Montana and Wyoming for that mm-hmm. reason. Um, they, they would love the fact that there's plenty of open sky and there's not a lot crowding your peripheral view for that reason. The Elcor are, you know, seldomly developing huge metropolises, uh, like, like the humans do in mass effect. Uh, in fact, earth is described as one mega metropolis <laughs> in mass effect. Um, and so, they, you know, they, they evolved that way. There's probably a certain level of anxiety that comes from not being able to uh, have that open sky and see their surroundings and be in very cramped spaces because they are very large too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would, I think, explain a large part of why they've developed slower than other races, because as I've already mentioned, they've been around for 2000 plus years in the galactic community. And yet they only have a handful of colonies off of their home world of Dakuna. Yeah. When you put all these things together, it makes sense. Do you you think their spaceships fly slower? I'm I'm totally joking. I I think, well, there's, there's some, there's some, uh, credence to that. Like, would they make navigational decisions slower Uh because they do everything slower? Right. Well, yeah, Um, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Or even just, you know, any decision slower. So the idea of like searching out a new place and looking around and deciding if that's the right place to go and then, you know, coordinating people to go settle it, like all that stuff would be slower Uh, on the flip side though. Um, so one of the things that they do in the expanse, which makes a lot of sense is that, uh, spaceships in order to create, and I talked about this on a previous episode in order to create uh, false gravity, um, either rotate in like a big circle, right? So everything gets pulled to the outside of the circle or, um, ships that are flying from one location to another will maintain a constant uh, speed of, or a constant rate of acceleration because a right rate of acceleration is basically no different than gravity, the feeling of gravity. So they stack decks. So imagine like a skyscraper flying up. So every level of the skyscraper is standing down towards the engines, right? So then you would have to, if you had, a spaceship with Elcor on it for them to be comfortable, they would have to be accelerating four times faster than any human spaceship. Right. So in that case, they'd actually be traveling faster (laughs) to go (laughs) explore new places. Anyway, just a, just a thought. There's tons of of music (laughs) jokes that we can make there, uh, that I think will spare the audience, (laughs) (laughs) the, the cheesy, uh, music jokes. Um, the roaming, uh, migratory tribal communities, like I mentioned, they certainly were not worried about the, uh, space travel. In fact, that was probably one of their last things they were worried about. What they were worried about was how do we make sure that we survive? And they deferred to their elders, the herds, as I feel like calling them because they're kind of like elephants, you know, and maybe yeah. herd isn't, is herd the correct group terminology for elephant? Yeah, a herd of elephants. Um, I believe so. Right. So the herds herd of Elcor. Of elephants. The Elcor elders um, 
they recorded their own history for as long as uh, one can think back, basically. Uh, and so the Elcor looked to their own recorded history for the answers to most of their issues. And even now, the elders in their society still govern. So the government is called the Courts of Dakuna, which I love. That's so sci-fi, right? The Courts mm-hmm. of Dakuna. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a conservative entity naturally. And it's rep- it has a reputation as being extremely stable, <laughs> probably because no change ever happens. Um, <laughs> that's why. And their government, though, it, it does make decisions and they do uh, have changes that they go through as a society. And the, the decisions that the government makes are largely based on the recommendations of its eldest members, who, by the way, are meticulous rep- record keepers because what else are they going to do with their time? Right. <laughs> and they, they basically form a protocol for any emergency based off of very detailed records of arguments, past events, etc. And they store all of these in huge libraries of data disks. So since they're slow and deliberate, having a readily accessible resource for consultation during a crisis likely evolved as a necessity, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you have to have a system for approaching. I'm thinking now the Elcor are very corporate, but <laughs> they, they yeah. have a protocol basically for everything. And they just refer to that protocol. And it's very strict, I imagine. It's probably very rigid. And they have all of these different if scenarios, then solutions. Right. I, I would imagine a society like that is very conservative. So doing things like uh, venturing out into new locations and finding new places to settle. And those kinds of things are, are, are probably very controversial decisions at first and take a long time to warm up to. Yeah, you would imagine. However, the really interesting thing is that Elcor are some of the most welcoming to other species in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Not what you would imagine with an ultra conservative society. You would probably think yeah. that they're very insular, which they are. They generally stick to their own worlds, but it's not because they don't like other races. It's just that they're not comfortable in right. the low gravity. Right. And yada, well, I guess yada. that's the healthiest version of, a, of an extremely conservative society would be one that is. Um, insular, you know, insular for, for their own needs to take care of themselves, but still welcoming to outsiders. Um, yeah. Is this a libertarian's paradise? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, because I don't, there's complete, Dakuna yeah. is completely self-sufficient, right? Right. I don't know. That's a good question. I would, and they're, uh, yeah, Dakuna is separated by entirely small settlements. The, the, the Elcor don't like metropolises, so they're all very scattered settlements, which spoiler, by the way, the, the reapers have a hard time invading them because they don't have these large urban centers. So they have tons of small communities, which I'm thinking of like Jean-Jacques Rousseau and the social contract, he'd be having a, you know, mindgasm right now. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) the, they, that's how their society is set up. And between that and between this other thing in mass effect three that we find, uh, which is, called the code of the ancients it's the, it contains the collected wisdom of the entire elcor species and all of its ancestors it's probably the veritable master file for for all decision making so between uh, and among all of that mm-hmm. this kind of sounds like an abrahamic religious theocracy right like sharia law mm-hmm. you know 
okay, you have a problem, refer to, you know, the Quran, right? You have a problem, right. refer to the Torah, refer to the Bible. Right. You know? And then, and then look at all three of them and they're going to give you different answers, <laughs> but then try to justify how those all work together in order to solve your problem. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. Uh, um, yeah, that was, uh, for anybody who doesn't know the, uh, the Jewish faith is based on a series of books and internal uh, reasonings based on interpretations of their holy books and things over time, not just, you know, like this, the Old Testament was written X hundreds of, you know, you know, a few thousand years ago at this point. And therefore, this is the only interpretation that works. They, they've actually uh, dealt with that for long periods of time and come up with new interpretations based on things that happened in the world that are very terrible and how to justify that in their own lives and, and deal with it. So, um, yeah, that's a very long history of like rulemaking and decision making. I I imagine there's lots of layers of bureaucracy, which when you combine that with the Elcor's voice is just <laughs> like hilarious and it's a nightmare. Like think about having to change your name in Elcor society mm -hmm. and how many how many hoops you're going to have to jump through. Yeah, but they would all be um, communicating with just like body language that you can't see. So that it would look like they're all just standing around in circles, not moving, staring at each other. <laughs> An <laughs> and then you'd come in and be like, you'd come in and be like, excuse me, can I have, and they'd look at you like, we're having a conversation. And you'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I had no idea. <laughs> like, this is very important. Yeah. Yeah. You'd constantly be walking into rooms and thinking, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, um, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of like an Elcor DMV and what a nightmare that would be. I mean, it's already awful. Um, but having the Elcor as the guy behind the, the counter <laughs> telling you all the things that you need to do and get and come back so that then they can tell you to go and get more stuff and come back. Right. See, this is why I'm not sure about the libertarian thing, because they're not going to want a, you know, some sort of jurisdiction telling them they, ha they have to jump through all these hoops. They're going to be like, right. well, I, no, this is the way I want to do it. I just want to do it this way because this is what makes sense for me. Um, who are you to tell me otherwise? That kind of thing. But I don't know. It's that's an interesting concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think there would be some elements that maybe libertarians would like about Dakuna, uh, some elements that they would absolutely abhor. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, all of this also means that the Elcor are incredibly predictable and the Reapers could have used that to their advantage when invading the planet. And I'm, I'm happy enough uh, that combat vet gaming here in chat brought up the Reapers and said, so if the Elcor are considered an advanced species, are they considered advanced enough for the Reapers to want to off them? Well, uh, that's kind of an arbitrary distinction. It seems that the Reapers make. And I say that because there's other side planets that we can find in mass effect where it seems relatively primitive societies of, of, uh, you know, races that would then go on to be spacefaring, but relatively primitive. So they're not anywhere close to uh becoming advanced they were exterminated by the reapers and yet early humans weren't so the reapers rule doesn't seem to be easily applicable to all societies and i wonder if it's if the reapers were also making decisions based off of who the protheans had interacted with mm-hmm
Yeah, if the equation for making that decision is, is based on more than we understand. Right. It's probably threat based as well. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even genetic potential, like some other things. Right. There's probably a lot more that goes into that than the Reapers wanted to let on because as sentient, intelligent, uh, you know, organic machines, it's not really in the Reapers best interest to tell us all of their motives and to show us all of the cards that they're holding, you know? And so I, I do subscribe to the school of thought that the Reapers are an unreliable narrator. That is a a really hot take, I think for the mass effect community, but I think that the Reapers are not a reliable narrator. If it were any other bad guy, prime example, the elusive man, would you trust that he's telling you the truth about everything? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And, and um, yes. And if it is the truth, is it only conveniently the truth, you know, like, or is it just enough truth to give you, the wrong impression about something because you don't have the other part of the puzzle to understand it fully. Yeah. Like, you know, like the whole Satan thing, like I'm going to use the truth to my advantage in order to, you know, right. Which is exactly why in, you know, like Talmudic scholarship and other like Judeo Christian beliefs, there's a very strong, uh, deterrence away from using half truths because they're Mm -hmm. just as bad as a lie. Um, and the Elcor would probably agree with that considering how similar their society is. And, um, they probably don't have time for lies because it would take too much time to tell the lie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're just going to do their funny little invisible dance, you know, (laughs) speaking in speaking of the time it takes to, to, for them to even say things, their military is really interesting because they have to completely rely on combat virtual intelligence systems. Because, you know, spur of the moment decision making really ain't their thing. Mm -hmm. And in combat, especially with other races, that would be a pretty big problem. But considering, though, that the Elcor are huge fans of making decisions based off of records, it would be probably a natural fit for them to want to protocol programs into the VI, the combat VI systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. A lot of just like, if this happens, do this, if this happens, do this, if this happens, do this, and just following the, their doctrine. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a bunch of programming basically, um, which they've already, because things take them so much time to deliberate with, they've already gotten to that conclusion. So all they need is a method, a machine maybe to enact that conclusion as fast as possible. Um, their natural strength though, is apparently only matched by the Krogan. And according to an ambassador that Shepard meets on the Citadel in Mass Effect 3, they've been called living tanks, among <laughs> other things. <laughs> yeah, man, look at those arms. Can you imagine Can you imagine being four times stronger than you currently are in order to simply walk around in the gravity of your planet? I might be able to carry the groceries home easily. Then, <laughs> right. Trip. I mean, I, heck, I try to lift all the groceries. That's the whole, you know, like you try to make one trip. <laughs> we can do it. I can do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, damn you noodle arms. Um, <laughs> they, they, I love the addition of, you know, other things among other things like, like mm-hmm. the Elcor is too polite. It doesn't want to mention the other insults it's been called because it's going to like, if you make it, by the way, if you make an Elcor cry, you're kind of a fucking monster. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that there was no option for that for renegade Shep, because that would be like, that's, you're crossing a line. Um, I want to see too far. an Elcor get mad in a Mass Effect, in Mass Effect 4 whenever we get it. 
and punch somebody. <laughs> I want to see like, now you've really pissed me off. And like, just like a spur of the, like, like push, somebody pushes it to the spur of the moment decision to, to punch it, which probably takes a lot, right? Like probably takes a lot. But then all of a sudden you get like basically the Hulk punch in Avengers where he punches Thor, you know, and the Thor goes, boom, just like flies off the screen. Yeah. Like one of those. Just or what he did to Loki. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Yeah. That would be amazing. I'd love to see that, man. That should have been part of uh, the Citadel DLC, but with how much fan service that that carries. Yeah. Um, they, I do know that there are some Elcor actors in the Blasto movie. I need to re-listen to that advertisement that you hear. Mm. Um, and before you know, uh, we get any further, I did want to mention that there are Elcor females. We forgot to mention that it's a dual-gendered society. Okay. And we know this from, ironically, the way that we know this is from the all-Elcor Hamlet production that's advertised in Mass Effect 2. <laughs> there are female uh female actors in yeah. that play i found a uh, an image i've been popping it up on street and screen every few times of a uh yeah i saw that i've been lady, trying not to laugh lady El- uh, yeah every time for a little while there every time you said elcor i just made it flash um yeah that's a an elcor in a dress i guess which is cool i like that I'm imagining I also, an sorry go ahead elcor with a polite british accent like the <laughs> queen's english can you do it and talk that slow oh hello welcome to the palace i I can't make it sound oh it has to be low i can't do low and high at the same time how do you do this um i also love that they wear things on their forearms as if uh their pants like the level of their pants extend forward to their arm level right does that make sense like you look at images we're of, having uh, this debate again about how would how would it wear pants? wear pants yeah 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 so okay wait wait elcor uh, there were some images i found here when i was looking around um they typically wear pants and then they wear something that's like draped over their back right they almost like a cape that goes up to their head and then drapes over their head right so they've got like a back cover that connects to their pants which is where their waist would be which would make sense right and their waist is let's say horizontal it's on the horizontal plane but then their torso leans forward on the horizontal plane and is mostly uncovered except for the thing that lays on their back and then their arms come down and they have on from their forearms just above their uh, elbows down to the ground these like arm coverings that look like you know just like half of a sleeve but it's like the front half instead of the back half right and on the horizontal plane they seem to stop moving up at the same place as their waist right so it's as if they're wearing pants on their back half and also pant legs on their form forearms. Does that make sense? I feel like they do that because they, I mean, they're slow, but I can't imagine that they're devoid of any mistakes. So what if they bump their arm or their front leg on something? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So here's, here's another picture. I'm going to put this up on, I'm sorry for anybody listening on audio, but you can, can, are welcome to join us live or check out, um, the robust radio YouTube. Like, here you go. Here's an Elcor with a baby Elcor. The baby Elcor doesn't have arm sleeves, but this parent Elcor does. Look at that. I think I'm, I'm I mean, glad that you brought up that picture because you can see clearly in the the loops on the on the back of the yeah, Elcor. Yeah, yeah. That that space for a harness so that they carry things on their back, and that's that's canon. So. And Canon, I'm making a pun here. You'll understand it in a second. Um, (laughs) On the battlefield, they actually carry, they don't carry small arms at all. 
Pistols, absolutely not. Rifles, I don't think so. Try mounted cannons, the like of which are normally carried on vehicles like the Mako. Mm -hmm. So it is canon that the <laughs> Elcor carry cannons. I see what you did back. there. I found another image somebody somebody drew here. I'm gonna put up on the screen as well. There's there's a few of these running around on the internet. Uh here we go. There we go. Oh, it's big. Let me resize it. Um transform. Adjusting size. And this is an Elcor with what looks like <laughs> would be like a like a, a Mako cannon on its back. It's like a power it suit. It kind of looks like Winston from armor. Overwatch. It yeah. does. Yep, yeah. that, that was my first thought. It looks like Winston. Yep. From from Overwatch. With a big cannon on his back. Um, but still cool, cool stuff. Um Yeah, I don't know who yeah. did this art. It doesn't say, but uh I would give credit, except I can't find it. So anyway, yeah, that's I don't I I mean they talk about being called tanks. So that's a good reason. Oh yeah. Um there isn't a lot that we know about the Elcor military. But the final detail that we do know about the Elcor military is that, and we know this just because of the legal implications from council law, they are bound by the Treaty of Phyrixen, which limits the size of non-council species military to having just one dreadnought for every five dreadnoughts that the Turians have, oh. thus ensuring that the Turians are always going to be effective galactic peacekeepers. Yeah, well, that's not uncommon to limit other races to have a certain only right. like limited. They, military. yeah, they do have um, they do have a lot of cruisers and other ships like that. However, their real strength, apparently, and this shouldn't come really as a surprise to anyone, is that their strength is in troop transport. So logistics, they probably very effective. Yeah makes sense i mean they're used to carrying things around on their backs <laughs> yeah and they need tons of space right they need tons of space much more space than any other spacefaring species in the milky way needs um so yeah that does that kind of wraps up um all of what we know to be canon regarding the elcor there's tons and tons and tons of extra details that are kind of fan fiction that Canon I and welcome. tons are you are you just punning on purpose here no but i want to take credit for that one oh, okay um right. i want to desperately but no there are there are <laughs> there's so many uh, pieces I mean, a, of it's a big way to fan carry, fiction it's can... it's a burden you know it's <laughs> it's a really big burden <laughs> um and there's tons of fan fiction all across the internet in regards to not just the Elcor, but other things in Mass Effect. There's a lot of um, fan fiction wiki. So the Mass Effect continuation wiki is different from the Mass Effect fandom wiki. And I hope that everyone knows that when you go to research things with Mass Effect, um, go, if you want the canon uh, story, go to Mass Effect you know, fandom wiki, not the Mass Effect continuation one. Um, I found a lot of extra details on the Elcor in the continuation wiki. I could not corroborate their sources. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just someone is being creative and role-playing and that's awesome. You know, I, I fully encourage that. Right. Um, but just be aware that that's not what that canon. is. Yeah. Right. 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 And, and, uh, of course there's a lot of Elcor fan fiction, which is not too savory. Uh, the internet is a deep, dark place. And you will find exactly what you look for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and so only look up pictures. One. Only look up pictures of puppies and bunnies, and you'll be fine. Um, yeah, that's a pretty heavy topic. So thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, so uh, to wrap up this episode this week, we've got some new reviews to call out. So let's do that. We have three new reviews. All of these are awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time. Anybody who's taken the time to drop us a review on Apple. Um, podcasts. Thank you so much. All you need is an Apple account. You don't even need to be using that as your main way to listen to podcasts. So we've got one here from Andrew JK 95 from the United States. All of these are from the U S this week. And, uh, Andrew writes, assuming direct control <laughs> five stars. I remember first getting mass effect 14 years ago in 2007. Oh my God. And it changed my life forever. The series got me into sci-fi, all the movies, games, and general space studies. You guys have a great chemistry and have been killing it. Well, thank you. I found you guys just a few days ago when I was searching for podcast reviews of the legendary edition. Now I have binged my way through all the episodes. Now I unfortunately have to play the waiting game for new episodes. Well, you should come join us live. Come, come on over. We'd love to have you hang out with us. Um, I wish for your continued success and prosperity. P.S. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Mark Mir slash Jennifer Hale in the future, probably. Well, yeah, hey, we'd love to get that. Uh, we'd love to get that quote from them. All right. Well, thank you, Andrew. We also have one from Cecil X Carlos ATP AFFFFFF. I think there were six f's there uh so great five stars i love this podcast i'm currently hiking the appalachian trail and was in desperate need for some more podcasts to listen to while i hike this podcast has been perfect for getting me up to date with all the lore before i finish the trail and go to uh and get to go home and start up the legendary edition great job guys i've been a hardcore fan for years and i've still learned plenty so thank you so much and then we have one more from j water woo or j water w-o however you pronounce that I wish I'd found this show before N7 went to Yellowstone. Five stars. Mm, you got a booty call here. I'm just kidding. This isn't a booty call. Um, if for no other reason than to give him a polite Wyoming head nod for being a Mass Effect fan. I just imagine you and some other guy going like seeing the shirts like the N7 shirts and being like, like pointing at the shirt and then just like a knowing nod and be like, Yep. Dude, I don't know what to do. I, I wore this shirt out in public today and I've worn it in public a couple times. And I don't know what I expect because people are like, hey, Shepard. And every time I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What are they talking about? And then I realize I'm like, oh, yeah, what's up? And and I tell myself every time after the fact, I'm like, next time someone says that, I'm just going to go, Rex. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, you should do that. I, I have all these different gaming shirts on. So I like I get this on occasion and I try not to like just this week, uh, this weekend, just yesterday, I went to uh, the grocery store and I had a I had my fallout shirt or hat, my fallout hat on. And the bag boy was like, like your hat. <laughs> and I was like, and I'm always I'm always just like, do I mention that I do a podcast? Is that weird? You know, like, does it feel it feels like a plug, doesn't it? Like, right. like do I, I do a podcast like a normal, about this, oh, you know, like, right. Do I act like a normal human being, say thanks and move on? Or do I mm -hmm. tell them something they actually might be interested in, in the, 
and I might unintentionally be perceived as some like selfish ass. Right. Or like, how, like, why did you share that weird lore with me? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Said I liked the game. Um, <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote more. They said, uh, living in this sparsely populated area of the country nearly ensures that this show is the closest I will ever come to discussing the Mass Effect universe with another human being. So it's nice to hear two gamers take great care in discussing well-researched topics. So you should join us on the Discord because then you can talk to other human beings. I promise it'll be great. Um, I loved the discussion of the Solarian Bachelor party particularly because I am the type of player who stood at the table in the embassy bar in Mass Effect 1 and listened to the entire conversation about a Solarian bachelor's, bachelor's party and just loved the intricacy and attention to frivolous real-world detail. Glad someone else loves those details too. So thank you, Jay. That is that is awesome. Thank you so much. I'm flattered all of you guys that, uh jay thinks that i'm a human being uh that's <laughs> <laughs> that's much better than i've been called by my critics so uh i have been called a volus before but anyway uh, i wanted to say specifically uh because i'm not sure that jay water woe has a twitter but i did tweet it out today and i really appreciated that review uh jay water woe and next time i'm in wyoming be real happy to grab a beer with you and talk all about mass effect and that isn't some you know proverbial or you know, like, Oh, whenever I'm in Wyoming next at some point I will be because my girlfriend and I will be going back to Yellowstone. So are you moving back, moving back? No, no. Okay. No. Um, I, I but, didn't know if that was know, like a, no, we've decided with this. We hate this place. We're going back. We've decided that uh, yeah. Portland isn't for us. No, um, we, we like Portland, but we will definitely be going back to visit Yellowstone because, uh, it's, it's amazing and definitely need more than one day to check it out. Yeah. Cool. 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 Well, uh, you have anything else to share before we head out? I am in my Twitch playthrough of Mass Effect 3 now. So I've imported the Sam Shepard into Mass Effect 3. I'm at the very beginning of it. I will be streaming some of that tomorrow, along with some Game Pass games that we will be featuring on the Game Pass show tomorrow. Yeah. So Game Pass show, same time as this show, but on Monday night. So 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, come join us, twitch.tv slash robots radio. We'd love to have you join us. You don't have to have Game Pass to join us. We're just talking about a bunch of the games that are on there. So you can buy those games in lots of different places. So you may even own some of those games that we've been playing. So you also don't need to be a Game Pass person to join us as part of the Game Pass gang. We have a channel on the robots radio discord. There are, I don't know, 20 something of us at this point. And holy crap, like this is awesome everyone's this has been again i talk about the in the middle of the show i talked about like building community and having people to talk, chat with about these things it's great people are in there saying hey what are you playing tonight this is what i'm playing tonight and people are trying out new games people are sticking with specific games like lots of great stuff going on so come join us be part of the community come hang out with us tomorrow night as we talk about more xbox game pass games there were some new games that came out on xbox on xbox game pass i always mess this up I need to not do this show. I'm off the show. I'm fired. Um, <laughs> this is uh, why I let you say it because right. I can't. Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> it's not easy to say when you say it over and over again. And I also talk quickly. Um, I need to be an Elcor and talk more slowly. Anyway, come join us. There's lots of fun stuff to talk about. So that's all I'll say about that. Also, remember, get your entries in. Win that $50 gift card. Make one, Make a shepherd that looks like me. Make a shepherd that looks like him. Send us pictures and... You know, we'll see you on the Internet. I think that's about it. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. Stay tuned for next week's episode when we're talking about jellyfish people. That'll be awesome. This one.
the Hanar. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Are you an avid player of the Elder Scrolls Online and looking to take your game to that next level? Well, the Red Diamond Courier Podcast is here to help. I'm Bob Chichinsky. And I'm Dogbark24. We are two experienced players aiming to help others learn and improve through in-game knowledge and references. From PvE. To PvP. And everything in between. There's sure to be something for you in the Red Diamond Courier. We, we hope, hope you check, check us, us out. out. Thanks! Thanks. Hey, I'm Pylon. And I'm Doc. And if you've ever played an Elder Scrolls game, you've probably used UESP.net to help you find information about a quest, dive deeper into lore, or really learn anything about the Elder Scrolls. But did you know we have a podcast too? Every week we bring you the latest in Elder Scrolls news, dig deeper into topics surrounding the game, and have a ton of fun while doing it. You can find us on your favorite podcatcher by searching the unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast. Can't wait to see you all there.